Hello and welcome to Conversations with My Conservative Dead Father, a podcast of the exact email exchanges my father and I had the year before he died. I'm your host, Jonathan Grossman. And I'm your co-host, Michael Grossman. Yes, an AI-generated clone of my actual voice. On today's podcast, we discuss two styles of constitutional interpretations, originalism versus textualism. Originalism specifically refers to interpreting the Constitution based on the meaning the words carried at the time of writing. Textualism considers what a reasonable person would understand the text of a law to mean. The obvious problem with the latter is we have to assume the person interpreting the law is reasonable. Do you consider me reasonable? Yes, but your conclusions aren't always so. I mean, you think the Stones are better than the Beatles? I never said that. We then move on to a conversation about Trump's or Biden's and Harris's fitness for office. Is that really a discussion? All of them are unfit, but Biden and Harris much more so. Easy, killer. You'll get your turn which naturally leads to a discussion on abortion. (laughs) Not the typical pro-life versus pro-choice debate, as both Dad and I agreed on pro-choice here. Rather, we discussed whether Planned Parenthood had been exposed for illegally selling aborted fetuses. Pops claimed Kamala Harris abused her power to shut down any outcry of wrongdoing by a whistleblower. I contended then, and do now, that the whistleblowers were rightfully prosecuted for going about their investigation in an illegal way. Whether or not they had found legitimate evidence, it was clearly obscured by their method of obtaining it. Shall we get into it? Yep, let's stir the pot. Okay, Pops, where do you land on the interpretation of the Constitution? I know that you hold that document in very high regard. Let me ask you this. Should we read it to have the exact meaning as of its ratification? Or should current events be taken into account that one could argue would make certain language and its implications out of date? I have to say I lean towards a more open interpretation. It's similar to the argument in the music world about analog versus digital, or the recording to tape and plates versus recording to computer. Is it fair to evaluate the merits of the sonics of current music by the standards of the 50s, or more specifically hold the current loudness and true peak standards to those of the 50s, when we couldn't push too much bass in a song because it would actually bounce the lathe and cause skips when you printed the master? The answer is resoundingly no, because technology, the way we digest it, the way we create it, and the very music we make is so vastly different that if we held current music to the sonic limitations of yesteryear, we would reduce today's records to a fraction of the newly available sonic landscape. Do you feel there's a corollary here? You are an astute observer and deep thinker, my son. You have come upon something I found the most fascinating and at the same time the most difficult to parse of all the questions concerning the Constitution. In practice, I find that people switch from one position to the other, depending on which supports their preferred position on any given issue. For example, liberals and progressives generally favor as broad and flexible an interpretation as possible, sometimes stretched beyond anything reasonable. Look at the issue of gun control. The liberal argument is based in originalism and interprets the Second Amendment as narrowly as possible. 
limiting private arms ownership to arms similar to those in existence at the time the amendment passed. That would mean revolvers, shotguns, and rifles. Strictly speaking, it would prohibit not only fully automatic weapons, but semi-automatic as well. Obviously, the other side, looking for the least possible government control, takes a broader view of what arms the Second Amendment ought to allow. On the one hand, they want originalism. The Second Amendment means what it says. We can own arms, without limitation. Yet, on the other hand, they want the right to bear arms to be flexible to take into account modern firearms. Otherwise, we would all own muskets, cap and ball rifles, and black powder single-shot pistols. So, as you can see, it is really near impossible to take a strict stance either way. I guess I come out in favor of sticking to the original text as much as makes sense in the context of our time. I would allow wiggle room, but to a very limited extent. I would also be making frequent reference to the Federalist Papers to try and suss out the intention of the Founding Fathers. This is probably an area where it is best to have a divided Supreme Court so that no one view is always applied. There will always be instances where strict adherence to the letter of the text will lead one down the path of folly. At the same time, I think it is equally foolish to make the document so elastic as to create new rights or privileges that are more properly the realm of the legislature. The bottom line is a healthy dose of both wisdom and common sense need prevail and, unfortunately, often does not. Wow! I just reread my own writing here and think I am a wishy-washy wimp. <laughs> You're not wishy-washy, but dare I say, liberal heresy. In this instance, I would say you are. I would like to say liberals are generally more open-minded, but that would be completely ridiculous. I will say that there are radicals on both sides, and the righties are far more radical than lefties, in my opinion. Unless you're a righty, then it's the other way around. <laughs> Uh-oh, feeling wishy-washy? Or is that just my being liberal? There is, however, a huge difference between the way a lefty expresses displeasure and the way a righty does it. Well, I would say both sides are prone to histrionics. However, my experience is there is much more venom and anger from the right, and much more holier-than-thou and self-righteousness on the left. It's usually when that anger butts up against that self-righteousness that Thanksgiving dinners fall apart, <laughs> much, like, much like our country today. Changing topics here a bit, what are your thoughts on Trump's fitness for office? Or rather, what are your contentions that Biden and Harris may be unfit for office? I assume you have an opinion here. You care to share? We've heard a lot of questioning from the left about Trump's fitness for office. Comrade Pelosi has gone so far as to threaten to use the 25th Amendment to bring removal proceedings. What about looking at the fitness for office of the other side? Biden is up to his ears in some questionable money arrangements involving Ukraine, China, and Iran. This may turn out to be no more than the normal corruption we have come to expect and make excuses for in our politicians. Surely it begs the question of how a person from a modest background who has never held a job outside of government, a career politician of almost 50 years, has become a multi-millionaire. Curious at best... Of course it is a question that could be and ought to be asked of myriad politicians of every stripe. 
We've discussed this many times. Career politicians who make millions from their positions or those who use their power to advance their personal beliefs, as alleged in the expose video you sent, asserting Kamala Harris used her power as attorney general to silence whistleblowers who stated Planned Parenthood was illegally selling fetal tissue. But here is a case of extreme abuse of the power of office to do the bidding of a non-government organization whose political views are approved of. Does this disturb you at all? I have never liked Kamala Harris. Her entire career has been built on corruption and deceit. This video, however, makes her unfit for office, in my opinion. I submit this transcends any individual's view on the matter of abortion. Just so you know, I am a staunch supporter of Planned Parenthood and would even go further to say the government has no business whatsoever in the matter of abortion. That is between a woman, her doctor, and her personal beliefs. Rather, a radical position at best, and one you might not expect, of your right-leaning father. Pops, your position on abortion doesn't surprise me at all. Pro-lifers always strike me as more religious-leaning than strictly conservative. And you are certainly not more religious-leaning. To address your larger question... What is wrong with using the aborted fetuses to advance science? It's one thing to kill people so you can make money by selling their body parts. That's obviously reprehensible. It's completely another thing to have a voluntarily aborted fetus used for medicine that could potentially save lives in the future. What bothers me is this. I have no problems with organ donation, which is essentially what this is about. However, there is a huge difference here. At this time, the sale of fetus parts is illegal. Maybe we don't agree with the law, but as California State Attorney General, she has sworn to uphold it. Part of her oath is also to execute the law without bias and free of outside influence. She tramples on that on all counts. She is vindictive and willing to do anything, legal or not, to further her own power and wealth. That is why, of the three of them, she is the most unfit for office of any kind, much less a heartbeat away from the presidency. As for equating the alleged foreign corruption of Trump and Biden, and insisting if I forgive one, I must forgive both. Hogwash. And you know it. There is one huge difference. The so-called Russia connection has been proven to be lies from start to finish. The dossier was pure fiction created by a discredited agent and paid for by the Hillary campaign, no doubt with her enthusiastic encouragement. The Ukraine accusation is pretty weak, albeit some of the conversation is open to two interpretations, in which case you have to evaluate the facts of each version and make a choice. For me, the transcript of the conversation and the testimony of the Ukrainian president and others who were present far outweighs the unsubstantiated accusations of a proven liar named Adam Schiff. As opposed to that, we have both hard evidence. Emails from parties who were privy to the dealings and were partners of Biden. Firm evidence of who the big man is. First-hand testimony of a partner privy to all of the facts being alleged, backed by written records and backed up with a money trail. I see no equivalency whatsoever. Current day Jonathan popping in here. These conversations were from 2020 and 2021. 
now that much more has come to light about Biden's connections or lack thereof, the concessions of Hunter Biden and the slew of Trump indictments, I wonder if Pops would have adjusted his tune. Frankly, I would guess not that much. I just keep reminding myself that even for someone as curious as my father, pathos almost always trumps logos. He might not have agreed with that statement, but I hold it to be true for him and for myself. Back to the conversation. But my main point was about Kamala Harris and what I saw as a shocking abuse of office, the likes of which we have rarely seen before. Granted that it seems like all politicians are twisted, and we the electorate seem to tolerate it. This one is so bent as to be intolerable. Just my opinion. Hmm. A few facts. Planned Parenthood was investigated by multiple states, but none of them found evidence for prosecution regarding the unlawful sale of fetal tissue. In fact, a DA of Harris County in Texas opened a criminal investigation into Daleiden, the man behind the accusations, and did find sufficient evidence for felony charges of tampering with government evidence. However, these charges were later dropped. Thirdly, while the initial investigations involved then-Attorney General Harris, she had left that position for Senate seat two months before her successor brought charges against Daleiden. I thought you read Snopes. I do, and I used to rely on it as a source to support or disprove statements made in hotly debated issues. However, over time, I perceived a distinct bias in their reporting, both in the stories they chose to debunk and the supporting evidence they used to establish their conclusions. So I began looking for other sources and now use all of them as leads only not as conclusive proof one way or the other. I have taken to trying, and not always succeeding, to use primary sources as much as possible. Even there, it can be a daunting task to get at the truth, because sources that quote primary sources can often be doing so in a selective manner designed to support their political agenda. Conversations with My Conservative Dead Father is hosted by Jonathan Grossman, and me, Michael Grossman. The show is produced and recorded by Night Shift Audio, AI-generated voice and voice cloning by the Play HT engine. Main title music by Dogwood Moon. Please encourage everyone to have conversations with people of varying points of view. Listen, learn, and most importantly, keep an open heart and an open mind. Thanks for listening.